I think we should leave this in. <laughs> Alrighty. Hello, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Nothing Major on Roni Radio. I am Bella Hills Bradley. And I am Kate Armstrong. And today, everyone, after our little hiatus, little we hiatus. are back and ready with some more quality Nothing Major content. Yes, we didn't give you any warning. It's just coming at you. <laughs> we'll just be posting it when it's ready and just being like, hey, guys, new episode. That's it. That's Get what we're doing. It. Let's go. But if you had forgotten, welcome back to Nothing Major because it has been a while. It's been a really stressful lockdown. Yeah. You know, it's just been a lot. We've been moving. It's just, anyway, you don't want to hear about our lives. You want to hear about Nothing Major. <laughs> Basically, it's a show where we, two first year A&E art students, nearly second year A&E art students. Don't bring it up, girls. Don't bring it up. That's upsetting. <laughs> That's really upsetting. Discuss, we're discussing social issues inspired by the content of our common major, gender, sexuality, and culture studies. If you are new to the show or you have just forgotten us as a result of our lack of communication, our goal here at Nothing Major is to make the theory and content of our common major accessible and digestible for you, an everyday audience, and hopefully to be able to show you how it's important theory applies to us in so many ways every single day. Yes, and there's been so much going on in the world recently, we just really wanted to bring it all back get back in <laughs> the studio, get back to doing everything because we really missed you guys. We really missed interacting with you and we making did. this podcast. It's just, yeah, anyway, we're not going to make excuses. It's just been a long lockdown. Welcome back, guys. Without further ado, welcome to Nothing Major. Kate, how are you doing today? I have to say I'm pretty comfortable, Bells. Comfortable. I feel like you're pretty crisp oh, in that microphone of yours. Is it perhaps because we are finally in the Waroni Radio recording se- area session? <laughs> studio? Studio! <laughs> That's the one you were looking for. No, guys, you don't understand how nice it is. Oh. So, we're so crisp. These chairs are so comfortable. We've got a little view of Cambrie. It's so nice. Yes. And if you really want it, you can come and watch us. Oh, Actually, don't pitch that one now. <laughs> That's dangerous. You can come and watch us record Nothing Major because it is a glass wall. And you can come and watch us as we talk gender studies. If you are located in Canberra, please come to Cambria Lawns. <laughs> or you can just listen to us on our Spotify. <laughs> or you can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Nothing Major Rorty. But without further ado, this is our first time recording in the same room. How exciting. How do we feel about it? I've got to say... I'm excited, Bella. It's nice to just not like wait for the lag in between you oh, speaking no, you and then me. <laughs> we were re-watching one of our shows last night to, you know, get back in the nothing major vibes, get ready for the show today. And there was a solid like 20 second pause yeah. between you speaking and me speaking. And I'm just excited for this to be a bit more of a natural show. Yeah, the only issue will be is that sometimes if like it's just our brains buffering, we can't blame <laughs> it on the internet. We just have to be like, yeah, no, just a bit slow today. Sorry. You can try. Too fair, it is 11 a.m. on a Friday. Stop it. You can find us at Roadie Radio 11 a.m. on a Friday. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's amazing. How exciting. How okay, but anyway. Thank you so much for all of our wonderful listeners who have remained dedicated to the Nothing Major vibe. (laughs) Have you remained dedicated to our agenda, to the message of the show? Your feedback, though it has dwindled slightly since we've, you know, stopped producing episodes, we could never ask for more. We love you guys so much. We're really excited also because you guys have been reaching out to us and telling us that 
We should make more content. So yes. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> we just sprung it on you. We really, whenever we run into some people, they're like, when's the next episode? Nothing major coming out. My mum will text me like, when's the next ma- episode? Nothing major coming out. And I'll be like, soon. <laughs> Belly, you can't just say your mum tells you. That's so embarrassing for us. It's like not our only really- listeners are our mums. She love you, mum. Like, to be fair, my mum sent me her Spotify wrapped this morning and she was like, top podcast, nothing major. And my mum was like, mad Spotify, like, mad podcast Spotify listener. Uh, But her top podcast was nothing major. Actually, speaking of Spotify wrapped, Bells. Oh, what are we talking about today, Kay? I feel like that does relate to today's show. We're just going to give you a little insight because we do have more intro stuff to get through. But (laughs) Spotify wrapped came out yesterday. Kate. Tell us what was your Spotify app? Okay, I feel like it, revealing that reveals way too much yes, about no, it me. Does. But no I, my number one artist was a Eurovision artist <laughs> because I was it Maniskin? No. Oh, okay. No, fair <laughs> it enough. It was. I don't know if any of you saw the, the 10 years song. Is that the Nord- Nordic? Yeah, one of them. Is Nordic even a word? I don't think so. <laughs> no, 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 Norwegian? Norwegian? Norwegian is a yeah, word. No, that okay. Yeah, no, Norwegian. I don't know who it was, but mm-hmm. I should. Yeah. But I work with kids, and they love Eurovision, mm-hmm. and so we were playing this song on repeat. And to be fair, guys, excellent song. Go check it out. Mm-hmm. But it was a shock to me to see that as my no, number. No, to be fair, every song. time I got in the car with Kate, it's that song. It is. I I have listened to that song a lot. I probably know the words to that song. Do I know what it's called? Do I know who it's by? Absolutely not. But Absolutely you know, fine. it makes it makes sense. <laughs> Kate. Let me spill all my deepest stuff. Reveal it, Bella. Reveal it's it. It's not a surprise at all. Top artist, Dolly Parton. <laughs> by, a, by a long shot. Like, there was no competition. It went Dolly Parton, and then it was, like, Skeggs. Like, and then, like, random, obscure country Sorry, you music. said Skeggs, and all I thought of was a private school in I'm Sydney. from Brisbane. That means nothing to me. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> but it was, like... But then again, the most embarrassing thing was that out of my five top genres... Three of them were country music. That's a bit shameful. Mine was show tunes. Okay, no, that's worse. <laughs> that's worse. <laughs> I mean, like, it's not that bad because, like, you were, like, a theatre kid. But, like, also, I'm I'm hot oh, and I listen oh, to yeah. country music. <laughs> Sexy women only listen to country music, guys. Hear it now. It, hot take. It's, it's me and, like, random old men in the south of America that were the only two groups that I love that country music specifically okay Bella we've completely gotten off topic I don't, sorry anyway, if you guys okay, so we're talking about Spotify wrapped yeah because we're gonna talk about Taylor Swift Taylor Swift get, how exciting get, like yeah get fucking excited I'm Bella please oh 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 sorry <laughs> you're live on radio one time my Ooh. goodness um, before we get into that, though, yes. If no. you didn't hear it before, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram, and even plug it into YouTube oh. at Nothing Major Waroni. I really yeah. had to think about that one. Mm-hmm. Or you can email us on Radio Nothing Major at gmail.com. No caps and no gaps. Have we explained that joke to you? Because our email address is honestly really funny. Radio Nothing Major because we're on the radio. But then also, if you Radio Nothing Major, you're like communicating to us you know like you're radioing us yeah yeah it's no. pretty funny we thought Absolutely. it was funny yeah no, we, we did think it was <laughs> funny but anyway so we were talking about you guys again getting involved before we totally diverged into spotify wrapped mm-hmm. we were talking about you guys and getting involved in the show we took on your feedback from the first few shows mm-hmm. and the structure of the show a lot of it was positive which was 
great because Phenomenal. have have either of us done this before no all we like to do is talk yeah the only experience we have making a podcast is us being massive narcissists so we had the show as a result of that pretty structured to make sure our thoughts as you know from this garb that we've just had yes were more structured and filtered so that we really got to the content and crux of issues and what you guys seem to want as a result of that was actually more of us just chatting chatting Having a bit of an yeah, opinion on obviously things. obviously still making really valid points because we are really smart. <laughs> I was going to say really valid points. <laughs> we are valid points. Yeah. We are the valid points. Do we need to unpack that? No. <laughs> no, we don't. Um, yeah, so because our show is gender theory related, mm-hmm. and if you guys have ever been on social media ever or just in the world, this is a very heavily politicized and debated issue. It's a very divisive topic. It's very well policed. So we spent our first few episodes just being really constrained by the idea that we didn't want to get called out for anything. We really just wanted to make sure that we had everything right. We put all of our disclaimers and we're going to keep doing disclaimers. Mm -hmm. But I think to make it more exciting, to make it more fun, just also because writing a half an hour episode speaking at 120 words a minute meant that we were writing full-length essays. Yeah. Like, lot. Like, it was, script, it was scripted from, like, Kate to Bella, Kate to Bella, Kate to Bella. And also, that was just, like, too much. It was just a bit... It, was, it wasn't as natural. Yeah. Because we all the bits that we liked from our last couple of episodes were when we went off-script. <laughs> accidentally. Yeah. So we're just going to keep going off-script. Bella, before we forget, you did mention disclaimers, and that still is a really important mm-hmm. part of the show. So before we move on... Being a gender studies podcast, we always want to disclaim that here at Nothing Major, we use terms such as men and women. Where suited, these terms are not situated within their traditional binary and reference individuals who may align with or within or outside of these structures. I, when we say women, it encompasses all women and anyone in which women-aligned experiences might resonate or generate an understanding of specific issues that we discuss exactly and because we're talking about taylor swift and there's another tidbit another easter egg for you guys before we get in <laughs> we're talking about ideas of like femininity and womanhood and what that means when you're in a really political and public sphere um those are made up gender is fake gender is a social construct gender was made by the cia the cia the cia <laughs> So, Hot take for today. context, I've had someone, my boyfriend, talking to me about the fact that the CIA did various really nefarious, like, random, like, political influences in South America. He's just been like, the CIA did this really obscure, like, action. Fun. In, and I was like, okay, fair enough. But now everything that goes wrong ever, I'm like, the CIA did that. 100%. I, I'm, I'm sold. Yeah. yeah. Okay, anyway, so... Gender is fake. Gender is a really Western construct yeah. is the thing. For a lot of places and in a lot of cultures, way before like people were even in Australia. Because remember, we are a stolen country. We are on stolen land. This, like, gender was fake. Gender did not exist or there were multiple aspects of gender. There wasn't just this binary of female and male. For a lot of times, like in specific Indigenous Australian cultures, there were, like, things outside of that there were specific terms for people who were born as a woman and moved to a man and vice versa and then also in Aztec cultures they had people who like had women's spirits and stuff but yeah so just like this is very western 100% sex is you know the female male divide is a biological thing and gender identity is something that you really like very important to know as a separate Mm-hmm. thing yes and even then sex isn't a binary 
sex isn't a binary. No, there are intersex people. There are 100%. People, like, there are so many reasons why biological sex isn't just male and female. We've, again, diverged. But basically... Yes. Today's show. Today's show. <laughs> let's... Taylor let's, Swift. Let's see Music if we have anything intelligible Music to say about it. Music and if you do like what the intelligible stuff we have to say... Intelligible. The intelligent stuff we have to say about Taylor Swift. If you do like it, shoot us on our Google form. Shoot us on our Google form. Kate, we don't have shoot a script. Shoot us a message yeah. on our Google or like, form. Or like put a little response down on our Google form. Or DM us on like, Instagram or... Honestly, even if you just went, guys, I hated that, go back to it being fully scripted, we'd still appreciate it. Honestly, it's so, like, we, we'd really appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We do have a structure for today's yeah, show, though. we do, we do, we do, we do, we do. So, we're going to, first of all, kind of go into this concept that we went through in our course this semester. So, we took a phenomenal course. If you go to the ANU and you have the electives available, we highly recommend it. It's gender 1002. Would also recommend gender 1001, though. Would recommend any gender studies course, Literally, to be honest. Literally, if you have an elective, they're such well-rounded Have courses. you noticed with gender studies courses? Have you? <laughs> Have we mentioned it? Have we mentioned that um, maybe the ANU should fund cultural that studies? Stop it. Sorry. That was, so that was a bit divisive. Obviously. It was. We are being supported by the ANU. <laughs> it was specifically. <laughs> specifically, it's gender and popular culture. Yes. Which was really cool and really quite literally allowed us to do a week on Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. So this is informed by. The content, content of our degree. And we'll finally. be linking all of that very scholarly research mm-hmm. in the Facebook post that we write, and we'll be linking it in the YouTube bio. We can even check it out on Instagram if you guys really want it and you can't go to our Facebook page for some reason. I don't know. If you really want it, we'll be able to get it to you. But there is lots and lots of research out there because Taylor Swift has been famous for so long since the birth of time. The time. Time. Time was birthed. It's a construct. Oh, it's it's 11 a.m. I don't think we should get <laughs> into that. Is it? <laughs> That's the real question, Bella Bradley. <laughs> anyway, so Taylor Swift has been famous. I don't think I remember a time when Taylor Swift wasn't famous. I don't think there ever has been. Like, I think we were like in prep, in like sit. Oh, sorry, I'm from Queensland. In kin, is it called kindy? Kindy. Okay. Well, I was in prep, and <laughs> I was in prep in like 2008, and she was famous then. Like, yeah. I remember buying Romeo and Juliet. Like, I remember buying that song. Love Story? That one. Can you tell that I was the kind of kid that was like, I hate Taylor Swift? Do you guys remember back in primary school how there was, like, such a, like, year four or five mm-hmm. where you really took a stance, you know? Yes. The first, like, political action we <laughs> took as children was being like, I am for Taylor Swift in one direction or I am against Taylor Swift yes. in one direction. And that was like such a big part of your identity. And I think a big part of my identity was like I was a tomboy. Yeah. And I was like, I hate girly music. Yep. And then now I hit like grade eight and I was like, wait, one direction kind of slaps. Hundred percent. I just oh my god, all I did was listen to One Direction for like three years. Like I shit you not. I know their entire discography. Good. I feel like that's the only way to But be. I didn't get into Taylor Swift. That's upsetting, to be honest. I know. Like, I think I should get into it now. From my watching of Miss Americana with you last night, I have actually gained much more of it. So I was a major Swifty. Go off, please. And I definitely drifted from it, like, later in 
in my life because I'm so old. Uh, but realizing that she is such a talented artist, mm-hmm. genuinely. And don't hate on us yet, guys. We are delving into all things related to Taylor Swift in this episode. Mm-hmm. It might sound like we're shooting on her, but we're not. And I think go watch Miss Americana. Go watch Reputation. Mm-hmm. Go read some stuff about her. Go look on her socials because she is such a wonderful human being. And I think we are still, especially me growing up being like, I have to hate Taylor Swift in order oh. to look cool. We are still unpacking the fact that a lot of the stuff that we heard about Taylor Swift as kids was entirely fake and she could not control that. We have to remember, she was a kid. Like, when she started in the music industry, not only did she start in the... She was, like, 12. She was tiny, baby. Yes. And she also was in an industry that is very conservative. Mm -hmm. Like, country music is inherently supported by right-wing conservative... We are not going to get into that yet. No, This is is something for later. But, yes, no. So... Oh, maybe we should get into that because I totally forgot where I was going with that sentence. <laughs> oh no, wait, Kate, say something. That's okay. So far right, conservative, country mm-hmm. western, country western? Yes. Group. But yeah, yeah. So basically we just have to unpack the fact that hating Taylor Swift became something different than actually hating her as a person or hating her as a creator. It became something that meant something entirely different. You didn't actually have to hate Taylor Swift. Yeah. Did that make sense in order to it do did. that? It did. You know, like, I know nothing about Taylor Swift. I just decided when I was 10 that I didn't like her. And I think there's a lot to say in that about the way that the media presented her. Yeah. But anyway. Where leads in to our first kind of discussion point, there is a structure to the show. Yes. So if we... In our course this semester, we learned about the circus culture, but we're not going to go into that one. That's a bit too. That's, that's a, bit a bit too, too far. For you guys. But there are two terms which mm-hmm. I really think apply to this episode yes. specifically, and they're cultural pessimism and cultural populism. And those are big terms, which, to be honest, to this day, I couldn't explain to you in proper words. Did Kate do any of the lectures? I did a few. But Bella, you explained them very well. I did, because I really enjoyed that course and I did the content. So did I. I did the content like a week before the essay was due. But I I still did the content. Yeah, exactly. So cultural pessimism and populism. Cultural pessimism and populism. So cultural pessimism is, it's basically how culture is consumed. Yeah. So cultural pessimism is the idea that we the people are being fed culture like we are passively consuming the culture we have no say in what culture we consume how we consume it where it is where it's coming from we don't say it we are just like sitting there with our mouths open being like it's just culture you know and like the the people above the upper echelons all the people in the industry you know like the lizards the lizards like they are they are feeding us culture yeah so like it's all planned we don't really have Mm -hmm. much autonomy we have no autonomy Zero autonomy. Zero autonomy. <laughs> I do a terrible French accent. That's fine. You should have hit. You should have heard me. We were at IKEA and I tried to do a Swedish accent. That's painful. That was embarrassing That's for me, fine. frankly. Anyway, and then cultural populism is the idea that culture is created by people for people. Mm-hmm. And okay, Kate, which one do you think, in terms of popular music and social media and the kind of like big pop? arena where where does that sit look i think that me learning about those terms originally Mm -hmm. i was like oh wait sure populism is definitely it because i have autonomy i'm a person Mm -hmm. i think i'm not a little mouse running in the mouse race of the mouse race race race? 
we're just racing mice. We're just racing mice. I really almost said racing mouses. <laughs> then I was like, that's <laughs> No, you're running in the little wheel. Oh, you're you're, 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 you're a little hamster. You're a hamster running in the wheel. Mice can run in wheels too, though. Hey, I think we've got, I actually don't know what I'm saying. Populism. Yes. Cultural populism. Yes, the idea that like, you're like, I'm a person, I make decisions for myself. Yes. So surely, these, I'm like choosing who I consume, which means exactly. that. Exactly. Like, surely I, as a quirky 12-year-old, 10-year-old, me choosing not to like Taylor Swift mm-hmm. was definitely, you know, my autonomous choice, not yes. my way to fit into a pre-structured yes. no, identity. But pessimism has this really insipid way of getting into people yeah. which is they make you think you have choice but you have none which is crazy and think about it we're not going to go into it you just got to think about it but it's the idea that there is so much popular music there's so much music out there that they've created that they've given you the illusion of choice but you have no choice because it's all in genres it's all in artists it's yeah. all in playlists it's all curated exactly to like spotify is the best example because they feed you exactly what you want, the daily mixes, the on repeat, <laughs> your Spotify rap, they feed you exactly what you want. Your Spotify rap showing nothing major to be on number one podcast shows you that you should keep listening okay, to us. Always. Guys, nothing major was only my third favorite podcast Shameful. this year. You do have to listen to it a lot of times before we publish it. So I feel like Yeah, that's it true. Would like I I think I've only listened one. to each episode maybe once. Yeah. Yeah, okay. officially. We'll listen to this episode way more often because this one is going really well. Yeah, 100%. Anyway, back to the episode. Basically, so populism and pessimism. Yeah. Popular music, here's my two cents. Here's what here's what we're operating on today. Taylor Swift, popular music, cultural pessimism. Yeah. It's the idea that we are being fed culturizer. So, cult- culturizer? Culturizer. Okay, we so can- Adorno. Who was this guy that basically wrote this about theorist? Yeah, the gender theorist, theorist that we learn about. It said he asserted that popular music is standardized as artists are solely awarded on their ability to, to engage in public interest. So when we think about the fact, sorry, I've lost my train of thought. What so do you think? I think so. You can clearly see this. I did an essay at the end of the mm-hmm. semester, and I used Little Mix as an example. Don't know about you guys. She. She, they featured on my Spotify unwrap specifically, but that un upsetting Spotify unwrapped, Spotify wrapped, isn't it? Because you're like wrapped the year. You just said unwrapped. No, I said wrapped. You just said unwrapped. That's really upsetting. I was correcting you. Okay, little mix. So successful girl girl band, Mm -hmm. girl band in the UK. You guys should know them. They're pretty cool, but. If you look at all the controversy surrounding them, right? Mm. Like they're wearing clothes that are more sensual, risque, risque a bit revealing, provocative, and the backlash received on that. that also a construct, though. 100%. Clothes are pieces of material. Why are they sexualized? What put on women's bodies? That's a whole other episode. Yeah. Anyway, so, so yeah. Little Mix yeah, are vibing they're having a good time they Mm -hmm. are women but the only reason that they are able to have risque clothes and for them to still be as successful as they are is because there is already a field open Mm -hmm. within culture that that in itself is standardized yes 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 yeah what an excellent point 
And it's the idea that like Little Mix make some really good feminist points. They were like all about body positivity, but that was only made in like 2018, 2019 when that became a thing on social media, which yeah. is also another example of populism because that was what the audience was craving. We were being fed it. Yeah. Because we didn't know we wanted it and then we wanted it and then they fed it to us. 100%. But it's the idea that whilst artists can use their music as an avenue for social and political commentary and agendas, this is only ever done in a way that it can be palatable for the audience yeah and further contribute to their commercial success because little mix did really well 100 percent. after they did that they like if they hadn't made those comments like just yeah. theorizing would they have been a famous if they hadn't made lm5 lm5 is a phenomenal album just all the things that in it like wasabi really phenomenal okay, we song we won't get into it too far mm-hmm. but the political commentary within the lyrics itself mm-hmm. The reason that they are digestible to us mm-hmm. and things that we really absorb and go, yes, 100% on, yes. Because we'd already been fed it. We'd already been fed it. And also, what's the whole thing? The structure of music helps us to yes. understand. No, pop music, you know that thing where it's like those four chords in every single popular song yeah. ever? The standardization of popular music just means that we can listen to the same thing and never get bored. Yeah, but we can listen to the same thing and also find it really interesting every time, and everyone will find it interesting. Every I have time. a key Taylor Swift example for that: the ten-minute-long "All Too Well" oh, video. Yes, that was an excellent segue. Thank you. Had I heard "All Too Well" before watching the YouTube Don't video, don't say that. No, I hadn't. That's really upsetting. I, I didn't know that about you. No, I genuinely had not listened. I listened to um, "Love Story," and like, and that's it. And you know the one, Never Ever Get Back Together, I feel like I listened to that. And then Shake It Off was really big in like 2015. I definitely listened mm. to that. Yes, but like, I don't think I'd ever, like, I don't think I've ever actually consumed Taylor Swift. Fair like, enough. I think it's just been like played on the radio or like played in, you know, like class or something. Yeah. But anyway, so it's, so we're going to talk first. We're, okay, we'll go through the structure of the show. Yes, actually, let's find it out. So we're going to talk about Taylor Swift's identity. We're going to talk about who she is. And then and in terms of cultural po- yeah, exactly. So in terms of cultural pessimism, yeah, what does that mean? It's just how her identities interact with culture, how they're consumed, why is she being this curated persona or this multiplicity of curated personas specifically to be consumed by audiences? Is she autonomously doing this or mm-hmm. is it a way to make her more popular exactly. and to feed into her exactly. career? And is that a bad thing? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? We don't know. But then when we're talking about this identity, we really want to bring in this kind of theory about race as well. Mm-hmm. Because there have been a couple of really interesting like theories made about Taylor Swift and race yeah. that we really should bring up because we can't just shit on Taylor Swift as a woman. Yeah. We also have to shit on her as a white woman. Oh, 100%. Because think- there's so, especially in popular music, yeah. there is so much merit being placed on you just for being white. Yeah that we want to unpack. We're not going to get into it now, but we are going to get back to it. Could I quickly say yes. that this is a good time to point out the theory of intersectionality, yes. which we are bringing in. So intersectionality is a term coined by Kimberly Crenshaw, mm-hmm. uh, and it refers to the different... Well, it's just the way in which um, like feminism and cultural theories, sociological theories um have to be or like she posited they have to be looked at with as in like it's like you're a woman and you're a white woman and you're an able-bodied woman like all of your identities 
intersect yeah. and interact with society. So you're not just being perceived in a certain way because of one part of your identity. Yeah. Like Taylor Swift isn't just being perceived or created in the media just because she's a woman. Yeah. She's been doing this also because she's a white woman. 100%. She's doing this also because she's a traditionally very beautiful yeah. white woman. She's doing this because of all these other parts of her identity, some that she can control, some that she can't, that that that's intersectionality. So that's put, what we have to adopt when we're looking at Taylor Swift because it isn't just because she's a or woman. any artist realistically. Exactly. So yeah. put very plainly, mm-hmm. like intersectionality is exactly what Belle said, the aspects of a person's identity that can expose them to overlapping forms of discrimination and marginalization. Yes. So if you guys, for example, like we look at celebrity women mm-hmm. and they are marginalized or discriminated against for reasons mm-hmm. but a white artist versus an artist of color mm-hmm. as Kanye West actually Ooh. pointed out Ooh. at the we're not getting into that that was supposed to be like a cheeky little surprise anyway um so basically it's the idea that like it's not even just discrimination like it's not the fact that the sex of your identity can be part of your discrimination it's also privilege yeah. As well. So sex of Taylor Swift's identity. I'm saying S-E-C-T-S. Sex. Not sex. I'm saying sex, not sex. Um, Phenomenal. Just was a good I'd thing point to point out. out. I was confused. Okay, sorry. But anyway, so parts of Taylor Swift's identity <laughs> is her privilege, just in ways that parts of black musicians' identities could give them discrimination or give them privilege, especially now. You think yeah. about black artists now and the way that they're being treated mm-hmm. and the way that they're being heralded specifically and using reclaiming and using their black identity within popular music. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, it does matter, but we just can't get into it. Very controversial. Words. That was a little <laughs> bit problematic. Um, point two that we are going to look into. So identities is the first thing. Yes. The second thing is, is race. race. Well, race. And then we have to talk about identity and race and intersectionality and feminism and gender together. theories. And then we're going to move to that, move that into feminism. We're going to move feminism that into in this feminism. podcast. Stop it. Yeah, literally, are you surprised? You should be. Um, it's, we're going to talk about activism because there is there is a lot of reasons why Taylor Swift has adopted the persona that she has, and we want to look at that in terms of activism. Yeah. In terms of like what political stances she's made, what kind of thing that she's made. Because a lot of artists do this. It's not just Taylor Swift. We'll get into some others later. What she's been allowed to make, especially exactly. in relation to her now reclaiming her albums with yes. the Taylor version. Mm-hmm. That's I think, especially within the industry she's in, is a really big topic and probably something we won't be able to cover in its entirety. Yes. But we'll and definitely think, be able to put opinions on. Exactly. And I think her like in terms of cultural pessimism, oh yeah, Taylor the the brackets Taylor's version mm. is the best marketing move oh, she's yeah. ever made. Dylan O'Brien putting yes. Taylor's, Taylor's version, version on his Twitter fit. handle, phenomenal. No, but I just think that as much as like we have to praise Taylor for doing that. Mm. That is such a girl boss move, hundred percent. But and then you just then you also think about the fact that how famous is she how much money is she making from re-releasing these and then you yeah. look at cultural pessimism and you're like is this just is she just feeding us what we want are we just is she just passively is consuming all too well video of what we've been waiting for for 10 years no i know is it are like are they just feeding us what we want to hear and taylor swift doesn't actually care about Stop. any of that Miss she doesn't care Americana about making a taylor's version says different so taylor's version is just marketing ploy she didn't really care about scooter braun 
she just cared about making money. Yeah. That's cultural pessimism. I don't think that's true, but that is what cultural pessimism basically. Yeah. And then basically, we're gonna last. We're gonna circle back from feminism to identity again, really quickly, and then we have to talk about her romance. We have to talk about the love life. We have to talk about Jake and Stop it! You don't understand. We have to talk about Jake and It's very exciting. I don't know how many of you guys have been talking about Jake Gyllenhaal, whether or not we should still be hating him, but we still hate him. Anyway, back to, let's go back to the start. Let's go back to identity. So identity, race, feminism, identity. Yes. That's the vibes, guys. And then then we'll wrap it all up. It's, we're already half now into this podcast. Phenomenal. Yeah, go us. Okay, let's talk about identity. So Taylor Swift's persona, her multiple personas, but her persona overall, even though she kind of moved through a couple throughout her career, it's built on a highly marketable gendered, raced, and class identity. Yeah. And it's often expressed with this like post-racial white nostalgia. You think about the idea. Can you explain what that term means? So post-racial is this idea that she is white, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like it's just that she's white and it's just the norm. We'll get into that in the race section. Yeah. But basically, it's a post-feminist, nostalgic, very like, oh, I want to go back to the way things were. I'm just like a, I'm just a very like woman. I'm a very woman. Me too, though. I'm a very woman. Yes. And the thing about this like post-racial and like nostalgia for like this femininity that's wrapped in like nostalgia is it obscures the political ramifications. Yeah of this and she's not the only person who does this no. Lana Del Rey I in our notes section which is like what should our show topics be it just says Lana Del Rey because I think we can do a whole nother episode on Lana Del Rey yeah. because like the way that both Taylor Swift and Lana Del Rey and a lot of other like quite popular not or even not popular like Jin Wimbo does it which you know who Jin Wimbo is but she's she, I love her so much Phenomenal. even Amy Winehouse did it yeah like the kind of oh, I'm such a terrible, oppressed woman. (laughs) But I also need a man to lean on and my only value is from coming, like, coming from, like, where I am romantically in my life. Which is, I think, how people have definitely... Is that Lord as well? I don't want to shit on Lord, but that kind of is Lord. I think that we have to understand that within the lens of this podcast, we aren't shitting on them. No. We are just positing... We're just thinking about it. We're, we're having, having a, a little, little brain dunk. little thunk. <laughs> we're having a little thunk. A wee thunk. We're just, yeah, a little brains are moving. The little, what's so, called the hamsters in our brains yeah. are just like running on the little things. Taylor's hey. identities are mm-hmm. really clearly defined by each album, which a lot of artists are. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, that's kind of the only way you can frame your identity. But guys, like, yes. look at Love Story. Look at the sweet little country yes. girl. This her, she's invested in femininity as her identity. Yeah. It's like these Victorian notions. Like in the love story music video. The corset. She's like, like the... yeah. These like this invested in like innocence and virtuousness and fragility and victimhood. She's like this fairy tale princess with like elaborate gowns and white yeah. dresses. And that's very much something that even though it might not have been optically displayed in some of her later albums it is still very much there definitely she is still the white woman victim yeah in even in miss americana she is still the white woman victim Mm. which is interesting yeah i think because like that's not necessarily a bad thing because i think she is a victim definitely but i also think that that has played so well into her identity i think that it is 
I don't want to say that everything is just a marketing ploy, but it is mm -hmm. because you like as an artist, your identity is your brand. Mm -hmm. What else are you going to do? Like yes. you as yourself, you are marketing you. And I think that that as a result inevitably ends up with that being what you're feeding consumers. That was such an excellent sentence. What can I say? Yeah, no, it was really good. So yeah, so basically identity, the rundown. Taylor Swift has for ages been the girl next door. Yeah. She's the Southern Belle and it was her way to assimilate into country music. Yeah. That was really important for her to be, she had to play on whiteness because her womanhood excluded her from country music. 100%. Because you think about country music, especially in like the early 2010s slash really late 2000s, mm. when she was getting into country music, yeah. there weren't really women in that arena. There weren't young women, in, especially not like young women who were taking like like single act young women. They're just, they weren't there. Yeah. So you have to think about the way that she had to play on that whiteness mm. to assimilate into the genre because yeah. everyone else was white yeah. or they were male. That's the literal only way she could feed herself exactly into the culture exactly she had to be white she had to be southern that's why she had that twang accent yeah. that's now gone yeah interestingly so basically what we're positing with her identity is that she had to use whiteness as a way to get Enter. into yeah. the country music because she was of course discriminated not discriminated against but there was obviously a bias with her being a woman mm -hmm. and a and, young woman at that yeah and if you don't agree with that that's okay. Know. Like that's okay, but also like I think we you you'd need to unpack the popular music industry yeah. because like as much as we can think about oh my god, but all of like my top Spotify wrapped artists were women, how did they get there? Did they have it easier to go as male artists? Yeah. And then you think about, like I think about what my like top Spotify wraps are. All of them are men except for Dolly. Dolly. Except for Dolly, Dolly it's all just white male bands. Who is also someone who has played on femininity and whiteness yes, to be exactly. a strong woman in a country. Oh, exactly. Industry. We can talk about that later, though. But basically, it's this idea that Taylor needed to assimilate into country music with her whiteness. And then once she'd gotten out of that, I'm sorry, Kate just looked at me really funny because I just popped my legs up on a on chair because I was just getting really comfy. Oh my god, and if you want to see that live, not live, but if you wanted to see that come true, go onto our YouTube, yeah. our sparkling YouTube exactly. platform. But okay, so Taylor Swift's identity. We're yeah. just, we're, we're walking in circles here. Yeah. We're saying the same thing. I think that, so she has, to me, like, there are four major identities. Okay. I think there are like eight overall, mm -hmm. based on what we learned in yeah. Genesis. But the main ones for me that stood out from, you know, growing up with Taylor mm -hmm. Swift is Southern Belle, cutesy. Mm -hmm. Love it, feminine, virtuous, exactly like what you're saying. Like, a little sunglasses. Yeah. Like, the accent, 100%. Yes. The, like, cute, curly hair. The long mm -hmm. curls. Yes. 100%. That was, like, the first major one. And I am probably skipping an album here, like, Feels or something. Mm -hmm. But then there was, like, Shake It Off. There was, like, yes. 1989. There was that She Got The Bob. Yes. Actually, no, it was Red first. Red changed her from country to pop. Yes. Because she was like absolutely phenomenal. She won album. she won the Grammy in the VMA. Yeah. Speaking of the VMA. The VMA. Stop let's it. talk about Kanye. Kanye. Okay, wait, no. Continue continue with your identity with the, thing. The and then we'll talk about the VMA. Okay, so it then was red and she mm -hmm. was just like a bit more West not westernized, but mainstream Hollywood yes, image. Exactly. She had straight hair 
And that was a lot of the old Hollywood stuff as well. Like you think about a lot of her performances mm. and like the Wildest Dreams music video. Yeah. Very post-racial nostalgic. Yeah. Very much like, oh, 1940s, I am a woman and you are a man and I need to rely on you. Yeah. You are the sole center of my life and I love you dearly, but also I hate you because I am a sad housewife. Yeah. You know? So I think she brought it up really well in Miss Americana where she was like, no, maybe it wasn't Miss Americana. It was like a speech that I saw mm-hmm. on like Instagram or something. But she was like, okay, so I'm being too feminine and yada, yada. I'm not actually talking about you want to know about my boyfriends. Cool. Here are my boyfriends. Mm-hmm. Now here is my love life. Oh, you, you don't want me to talk about that. Okay. I'm going to be, like, I'm going to shake it off. Mm-hmm. 1989 album. Yeah. And so no matter what, her albums are a direct response to the criticism she received from them. You can't win. You can't win. There's that quote in Miss Americana. We're going a bit off script. That Miss Americana, which What's was great? like. She was talking about her eating disorder and she was like, if you have enough fat on you to have an ass, your stomach isn't flat. And if you have a flat stomach, you don't have any meat on you to have an ass and you just can't win. Yeah. And I think that that's also very applicable to her music. Like no matter what she discussed in her music, she couldn't win. No matter what. It was always criticized. Yeah. And I think we have to unpack that because I, I I was very much in the hating tales with Cat. Yeah. I was every single time I gra- latch onto that thing, which was like, oh, we don't like Taylor Swift because of this. Mm. And it would change. Yeah. Like, we don't like Taylor Swift because she's too loud. She's too obnoxious. She's too confident. Yeah. We don't like Taylor Swift because all oh, she does is talk about her boyfriend. We don't like Taylor Swift because all she does is talk about her cat. Like, it's just. Cat's so cute in so Miss Americana. <laughs> so cute. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, back to the VMAs. Yes. Okay. I don't so, know if you guys saw, you know, it was really not publicized at yes. all in any so way. So a really interesting thing about Swift's whiteness yeah. is the way in which it operates within the pop music sphere. And we have to talk about race when we do this. Yeah. So basically what happened was in the 2009 VMAs, I believe, I Sounds think right. she won an award for best like female music video. Yeah. And Kanye West interrupted her. Jumped up on stage. Jumped up on stage. It was like, Taylor, I love you. I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the best music videos of all time. Yeah. That was like a word for word. That was word for word. I was like, are you playing this? Yeah. But when Wes interrupted her speech, she and her fans and supporters understood his actions as morally legible within a set of symbols and tropes of a black and white racial melodrama. Now, I'm going to unpack that, but that is a sentence from a Williams text that we read. But basically, racial melodramas have served to organize an audience's feelings of sympathy or disgust towards a racial other. So in this case, it was sympathy towards Taylor as a white person and disgust towards Kanye as a black person making that statement. Yeah. And, of course, we could talk about, like, I think Dr. Phil was like... (sighs) Kanye only did it because she was a 17-year-old girl. I think that's actually a very that's interesting a very, point yeah. to make as well. Because he wouldn't have done it if it was. He, yeah. Well, or if, if you saw all of the, like, commentary from, like, all the different, yeah, you know, talk shows that were yeah. like, oh, my goodness, this just happened. They were all like, she is a 17 or she was 19 or something. She, she was, was 19, She was yeah. little. She was our age. Yeah. Wait, what? She was winning Imagine if Kanye West, like, imagine with Taylor Swift, you know, as we are. And, like... A celebrity that you idolize. What if Dolly jumped up on stage and was like, sorry, everyone, but this other person had the best podcast on gender studies? Not. Not Bella. 
how upsetting would that be? Yeah. And I think she pointed that out. And I don't want to entirely victimize her because obviously there's still controversy there's still around it. There's a lot it. to be said yeah. for what... Kanye made a really good point. At a really, really poor poorly. time. No, he, he just made the point poorly. What he was trying to say was that Swift wasn't less talented no. than Beyonce. She wasn't less deserving of that award, but that her musical label was valued differently than Knowles because she was white. Yeah. In West's opinion, he was basically this is, I'm quoting Williams now. Yeah. In West's opinion, he was standing up for the cultural patrimony of African American performers, which yeah. he thought at the time, and he is entirely correct in thinking this, yeah. had been systematically denied the humanity of Af- and and like African American. Yeah. They were victims of terror. They were victims of terror just like in popular music but also just generally yeah. and i think that played into a lot of the gendered and political things that were happening in 100%. mass culture more generally especially at that time like guys remember what was the world like like 15 years well, ago in 2009 obama had only been in the white house for a year and that yeah. was a lot of racial did you see that he he was, called kanye, he called kanye yeah he was like that well, was a poor we move we talk about obama in terms of like he had to play into being a, a loving dad and being a very yeah. man because and Taylor his was race was girl. othering him yeah. to the American population. So he had to be a very masculine. That's a whole other episode. But when we went, it's the same thing for Taylor yeah. and the same thing for Obama, where Obama was othered by his race, so he played onto his masculinity. Taylor was othered by her womanhood, so, so she, she played, played into her, her whiteness. whiteness. But there were, like, so basically... There was this idea that Wes was the bad guy and Taylor was this, like, young, innocent white victim. She yeah. didn't deserve Wes's attention. And the fan support for Swift, yeah. after that was, like, insane. Like, that line in the Kanye West song, like, I made her famous. Yeah, he I did made, make that her famous. I made that famous. That is a terrible line, and I hate him for that. Yeah. But... He, like that did give her a lot of popularity. Well, I, it was just publicity as well. Yes. And I think that like the really bad thing was like that clip from the Kanye West show where he where he says the line yeah. like I made up a famous, and then everyone's like fuck Taylor Swift. Yes, part of my language. Mm-hmm. I'm quoting here. Oh, but another another update about the show. The change that we've made, along with being totally unscripted, is that we've decided we're going M rated, which means we can now swear. M fifteen plus potentially. M A. Okay. Anyway, so basically, um, okay, I'm gonna make a disclaimer really quick before we talk about this. We are gonna get into anti-Semitism. Yeah. Because when we talk about whiteness and we talk about the internet, we get into things like right-wing anti-Semitism. Yeah. And I want to put that out there. It's not gonna be very long, but it's really important to make that disclaimer because mm-hmm. for a lot of people, it's a very touchy subject, yeah. and a lot of people living Rightly in this so. internet age, yeah, it's very touchy. Yeah, a hundred and like and entirely justified in being so. Yeah, especially with like media just going rampant on certain things. It's also just like yeah, no, like the amount of like white terror that is being played out in real life that is then like just being just saturated mm. in the media and saturated on social media. And all we see now is like like just white supremacy. Yeah. I think yeah. we definitely like a lot of the time see social media as a very like leftist mm-hmm. world, but it's not. No. It definitely is, and depending on the side of the media, and I think like, like it's very dependent I, I on exist that. as a very public leftist on yeah, social media, and I've had my mad run-ins with, with people who share very different opinions to mm. me, and that is terrifying. So I can't imagine what it would like to also have a marginalized identity 
and be defending that identity yeah. to people who hate you for that identity. Yeah. You know, because I'm just defending other people because I like that's what I think is right. Yeah. I'm just like, that's a shit thing for you to say. Don't say it on the internet. And mm. then they're like, fuck you. And I'm like, yeah. okay. But then imagine if you also held that identity and then people were also on top of that. Yeah. Like, it's just, there's a lot of things to say about it. And we just want to put that out there. Love this will be about 10 minutes long, five minutes long, seven minutes long, something around there. But basically- Have a skip we... forward if you're not comfortable yes, with it. Exactly. And we completely respect of that. Of course. So basically, whiteness in Taylor Swift produced itself as the norm. That's what we're talking about, post-racial nostalgia. Nah. So it's as if it is the natural, like inevitable, ordinary way of being human. Yeah. So she is white and that is the only way. that, And specifically- it masks itself as a non-race in terms of women. Yeah. So she is just a woman. It doesn't matter that she's white, even though her whiteness is there. Yeah. And it's very surreptitious being able to yeah. do that. And the issue with that and why we're talking about um, like anti-Semitism and racism and white power yeah. is that white power is secured through this invisibility. Yeah. When whiteness isn't considered to be a racial category, mm-hmm. when it's just the norm, yeah. it's privileged. And it's had the privileged position and it's really hard to analyze because Taylor Swift is just the norm. And then you look at Beyonce and she, so like, yeah, I don't know. Like Taylor Swift is just a famous musician and Beyonce is like also a famous musician, but then she also gets lumped with the descriptor of a famous black musician yeah, as well. But Taylor Swift is never a famous white musician. No. And I think that's the She's just a famous female musician. But basically... Swift's articulations of white womanhood, specifically in the use of nostalgia in the evocation of femininity, mm-hmm. is unmistakably interacting with the grammar of alt-right and white supremacists. Yeah, definitely. So that as was is inherent in, the, in like country yes. music. Yes, she had yes. to. Like no, there was exactly. no other way. If you even look at like, like I think Dolly mm-hmm. is queen. Love her. There is a, quite literally a poster of her in our house multiple Mo- posters many posters of Dolly Parton in our house but she also has a certain fan base emerging from country oh, music yes. despite her not directly she hasn't ever gone directly political in her views but no. she has a no, like, fan base just, from country music like just as a tangent you like so she funded Madonna she mm. gave like I don't know how much money but she gave a lot of money you, to fund Madonna to get brought out to southern states where there were really low vaccination rates and like, you, you'd be like, oh, my God, go, Dolly. Why is it? Like, she got so much hate for that because mm. her fan base was conservative anti-vaxxers. Yeah. Her fa- and that, that's, that was not Dolly's fault. And I completely respect the way she stopped that. But she was also very, she was very quiet during Black Lives Matter in March last year. Mm. Same during Black Lives Matter. Let's, another tangent of mine is the fact that Black Lives Matter is just over. You know, like it's just done on social media. Like it had. Yeah, I was gonna say, like day. in general. No, it had I it. Feel it, like had it, still its it had its day. It had its fifty minutes of fame in like March twenty twenty, and now it's yeah. just done. And I take mad issue with that. But anyway, that's another episode. Basically, Continuing. let's talk about. And this, this is what the disclaimer is. Basically, we learned about this in gender studies. Kate didn't. I had to explain it to her last night. Hey. But it's Tadolf Swiffler. I think I probably actively didn't want to learn about it. No. To be fair, basically what happened was these alt-right trolls on the internet, and this is still happening now. People are still, like, pumping out these memes. Basically, what they did is they got a picture of Adolf Hitler, and they put a Taylor Swift quote on it. Like, something very surreptitious, 
usually something from like her earlier albums where she's like I don't know, like, I'm just the other and I'm, like, being oppressed or something. And, like, <laughs> I don't know, like... You know, I've heard those lyrics. Yeah, exactly. Like Taylor, like, Taylor definitely said that. But then what they did is they grabbed then an Adolf Hitler quote and they put it onto a Taylor Swift picture. Yeah. And it was something along the lines of, like, we have to rely on fascism <laughs> or something. And it was, like... Yeah. And just thinking about what that did for her image is so interesting and also why that happened is because the way that she played on her whiteness and her whiteness was so important so like Bella said she did show me a few of them last night yes and And definitely google them yeah highly recommend googling them we can even put links to them yeah in today's show they are really interesting and super scary because they're almost believable like if you weren't researching it specifically to be like i want to know what these what these memes are all right yeah made if you just stumbled across them somewhere in the depths of the internet yeah like the taylor, could definitely the taylor swift them. ones especially uh, yeah i think the adolf hitler ones are a bit more like with a taylor swift quote like some people took the piss to the extent yeah, that like, they were just like off. shake it up like haters gonna hate yeah taylor. yeah like those ones not so much but certain things like it, like hitler was known to be a fantastic public speaker yeah that is something he is famous for mm-hmm. And as well as many other things. But, like, certain things from things he said definitely, like, fit into certain, like, yeah. swifty... As long as they took that racial ambiguity where where Adolf wasn't like, I hate Jews. Yeah. Other than the anti-Semitism. As, as, as long as it wasn't, like, outwardly anti-Semitic, it was just very, like, very subtly... Yeah. Racially. Yeah, racially. Race superior. Yeah. As as long as long as they put that over top of the Taylor Swift yeah. image, it's fine. You you really couldn't notice the difference. And so the, the issue point. with that, in terms yeah. of race, is that we have absolutely no idea what's posited in the article that we'll post. Is that we have no idea whether they were critiques of Swift's investment in whiteness. Yeah. Or, if they were alt right trolling exercises where they were just like people being like, "Well, this is kind of funny." And then we have to unpack like why they chose Swift to do that. And it's very easy to see why they chose Swift to do that. Or if they were genuine, the scary bit is, were they genuine right-wing embraces of Swift? Which is the scariest part that's, of it. That's really interesting. And I think it wasn't helped by the fact that she was silent about the entire thing. And we'll get, mm. actually, we'll get into that now, actually, in terms of moving on to the next part in terms of feminism yeah because activism when you talk about like so she didn't respond to these and she stayed very stagnantly and very what's the word like very she wasn't very political consistently she was very persistently apolitical yeah as are a lot of country music artists as are a lot of musical artists generally yeah like you think about beyonce yeah was only like that kind of like big feminist background at one of her performances at like the vmas or the mtv awards like that was the first kind of time she'd ever embraced it swift only came out as a democrat and came out as a democrat she only came out as a democrat in 2018 for the u.s midterm election which is really interesting because she'd been in the public sphere then for at least two decades yeah she had a standing and i think i understand with artists that you need a certain standing as like that is your livelihood Mm -hmm. sure and you need a certain standing to be able to become political anyway. Like seeing with like LM5 with Little Mix, like mm-hmm. that is their fifth album. Yeah. Like they, or I don't even know how many albums, but that is one of their later albums and they have an established fan base mm-hmm. and they have an established thing and that 
cultural pessimism mm -hmm. and they only do those things where there is a market for them. Yes, and Swift. Within their fan base. Like Swift posted on Instagram. Her Instagram would be so tightly controlled that would have gone through publicist, 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 publicist. Like it would have gone yeah. through so many layers of filtering before coming to how can we other as few people as possible? Yeah. How can she say she's a Democrat without losing her entire Republican Fat. fan base? Yeah. How can she say she's a feminist without losing all of her accidentally misogynist fan base? Yeah. Like, and that's so interesting because Dolly does it as well. Mm -hmm. And Parton never embraced. She still to this day does not label herself as a feminist. Yeah. And that's so upsetting because she's masterfully apolitical. And she doesn't alienate any sex feminists because Dolly specifically, she's been famous since the sixties. Yeah, she's got so she's like this. She's this totem. Can you tell that Bella loves she's Dolly Parton? She's a country music icon. Yeah, and what that means when you're so famous in country music specifically, because Swift was able to get out of that into poppy music. Dolly is still in country, country music. music. Her entire fan base. I think we can also like unpack that. I think that Dolly definitely throughout history may have had a chance to like go into positive music, but she didn't. She definitely did. And then And I think I think she did what she could. Yeah. I think like when you look at songs like Just Because I'm a Woman and I'll Always Love You and all of those kind cheeky of cheeky feature in Hannah I'll Montana the TV Oil series. Wells Love You. Not I'll Always Love You like the Whitney Houston. Yeah. The Whitney Houston co option, might I add, if you didn't know this, Dolly mm. Parton wrote I Will Always Love You. Whitney Houston, that is a cover. That is a cover of Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You. And you have not listened, if you have not listened to Dolly Parton's Go I Will Always Love You, on go check it out right now. Right now. Right now. Pause, pause, pause the, the podcast, podcast and go listen to that <laughs> masterpiece of a song. And then come back and tell me that Whitney Houston's version is the only version. Because it's not. Dolly Parton wrote it in like 1970. Okay. Anyway. Dolly Rant. Let's continue. Yeah, no, it just makes Taylor me really Swift. mad. Anyway, um, so <laughs> what were you talking about? Massively apolitical punch country music theater. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very accidental. Oh, no. I mean, I have to go to R. Are we an R-rated show? Stop. I didn't say oh, it. No. I said country. That happened? Oh, no. Actually, not. That's, that's just a really no, bad okay. story. Anyway, moving no, on. Anyway. So, um, but the only people that I've seen in country music who have done it who have been political and it wasn't successful for them. Mm -hmm. They lost their fan yeah. base were the chicks, formerly known as the Dixie chicks. Mm -hmm. um, Cause they, in 2003 took a very clear political stance on the George invasion on George Bush and Iraq. In the, that, especially in the aftermath of 9-11. Yeah. And like, where, where are we in the 20th? We are in the 20th anniversary mm. of 9-11 this year. But you think about like, that was such like a time piece. Yeah. In American history. Yeah. And, like, people were still reeling from that in 2003. Yeah. And you think about the fact that country music is based on patriotism. Country yeah. music is based on loving your country. So when the Dixie Chicks said, we are ashamed of being American we are ashamed for of the way in which George Bush retaliated for 9-11 in Iraq. Yeah. That would that that, that they were, they were well. shunned. Yeah. For that. They were basically pummeled into obscurity. Because also think about the general consensus of it. Like, sure, in countries which have freedom of the media mm -hmm. and, like, there were various views towards Bush's thing. But, yes. like, Australia, we love America. We're, yeah. we're all for America mm -hmm. most of the time. Yeah, so she would have lost a lot of her 
a lot of fans. Well, like the Duke, sorry, the Duke the Chicks. The Chicks. The Chicks. They would have lost. Yeah. Sorry, they're a plural or singular. Yes. They would have lost a lot of their fan base in other places. And yeah. they did. And you can see that in a decline. Of but then you also that. think about country music and the trope of being, you know, a, a plain subservient mm. woman woman when you think about when women take a stand and dolly parton did that dolly parton does that and she's been doing that for 50 years now but she did it in very clever smart very marketable very she does it in a way that if you want to find it it's there yes does exactly. that make sense yes and it's not yeah. at all offensive to anyone so we had a I... friend actually who was trying to defame dolly in front of bella who decided to try and research something that was what? in some way... Was this Finn? No, it was real. Oh, well. We'll cut out their names. Sorry. No, I don't but, think we should. I think they're fine. But, so our friend was trying to... Our housemate was yeah. trying to find something controversial that Dolly said. Yeah. Because Bella was like, no, she's just, like strong. She's like never had a controversy. Inactivist, but she's also an activist. But it's there if you need to find it and... And he couldn't find anything. No. She literally, she has not had a single controversy. The mm. only thing that we could find is the Black Lives Matter thing where her sister, yeah. she's one of seven or one of eight, Whew. her sister came out and said, I think Dolly could have said more. Because Dolly does have a really large black fan base. Yeah. Which is surprising when you think about country music. But then you also think about the way in which she has made very accepting and whole, mm. wholesome country music wholesome woman country exactly Oof. exactly so when you think about she did not make any sort of statement at all yeah. she kind of said i don't like i don't know exactly what she said but she was like she basically along the lines of what a lot of celebrities said which is like i don't support like she didn't say i don't support black lives matter but she was kind of like i love everyone she didn't say all lives matter she was just like i love everyone and everyone deserves everything everyone. you know like she just kind of made it very very ambiguous. apolitical mm-hmm. But I am going to read you the sentence that I wrote in my essay that in my essay about Dolly that is perfect for Swift as well. Because we have to get back to talk about Dolly. Sorry. Yes. (laughs) So I said, so Dolly's femininity is expressed through the Southern Belle characterization. Swift, the same. Exactly. Swift Swift has re-embraced that. Yeah, recently. Recently in in Folklore, is it called? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Is that the new one? The new one, I don't. I'm not sure, but it's a manifestation of white innocence that plays directly into the desires of the country music genre that Dolly's operated within for decades, and so has Swift. And this is aptly combined with an American working class charm. Again, Swift. Yeah. Especially at the start, Swift is very much my mommy and my daddy. Like my mom was a bank teller, and my dad. You know, like it's that was a really terrible. No, it was quite good. Thank you. I I do a really great Dolly Parton impression. Um, but so it's this working class charm and this feminine virtuousness. Yeah. But so and that what I wrote that I hated writing because I love Dolly Parton. It says, despite conscious undercurrents of empowerment, she is still the perfect loving housewife, and for Swift. It's despite these conscious undercurrents of empowerment, she's still the girl next door. Or regardless, despite express empowerment in certain albums Mm -hmm. like 1989 and being like, shake it off or like... Mm -hmm. um, She is still a very like attractive, desirable woman. She still has the cute little blonde bob. Mm -hmm. She's still this beautiful, She's still the Aryan goddess. Yeah. That was too much. Not really. 
that was a lot to deal with for well, me right okay, now. Sorry. <laughs> but um, yeah. So, like, so Swift has Swift only like in two thousand ten or eleven when Beyonce did it came mm. out as a feminist, mm. and that was when it was still very popular to do it. So we have yeah. to go circle back to pessimism and be like, did she do it or was it the marketing? Yeah. Was it was it an identity thing? But, I think even the whole right now. So mm-hmm. all the Taylor versions of the Taylor versions that are being released. They're, I think they've definitely been publicized as a feminist stance because she was so controlled by management. And that's like, that's the reason of the publication. Yeah. As a woman in the industry and as a child in the industry when she first started. But despite it being feminism, it still feeds into cultural pessimism. Yes. In the sense because that she's doing she it for still marketing. preserving her cultural brand. Yeah. She's still preserving the Taylor Swift identity. Yeah. There, there's nothing's changed about her as a person mm. except she's now making more money. There's nothing changed about the lyrics other no. than all too well being 10 minutes long. Excellent, by the way. Phenomenal. But so she's very, like, it's just this duality of feminine compliance. Yeah. Of Swift. That's just still there. It's always been there. But then it's also non-male resistance. Yeah. So she's a woman. She's empowered. She's whatever. Yeah. Okay. But let's go back all too to well. identity. Let's Yeah. Let's talk about <laughs> all well. The all, all yeah, well? All well. George Orwell? Yes. <laughs> too much to do with okay. right now. So Swift's authenticity is entirely hinged on her being a white middle class girl. Yeah. It's entirely hinged on her being aesthetically desirable entirely yeah. hinged on her being romantically available can be your best friend she is she is she is a womb she's a womb yeah <laughs> bella you need to keep talking what do you mean she's a womb as in she's she's breedable she is desirable we've been watching too much handmaid's tale That's that was <laughs> too much <laughs> our, house, our house tv show at the moment is handmaid's tale like our little family tv show yeah, and we bella really was just like women are womb no, it's really like I was more making the point that Swift is like a desirable woman. Yeah. Like, she is like like you know, she's romantically available. We want know, to like, know about her romantic life, but we also think yes. she talks about it too much. Do you remember that joke that was like um like men should never date Taylor Swift because if you ever break up with her, she'll write a really good song about you. Yeah. And like that is so true. And the fact that that was weaponized against her. It's like, babes, it's I like, get a good she, song written about yeah, me. Yeah, you get a Stop song it. written about you. And also, can we not be like, Taylor Swift is a masterful lyricist. And the fact that he's able to take life experiences, which are shit. She has yeah. had such a poor run yeah. in the dating circle. But really we're going to go run. on to Jake Gyllenhaal in a second. Yeah. Uh, there was an article sent yes. to us by a friend. Mm-hmm. And there was this really interesting line in it that mm-hmm. I found really impactful and that you also found really impactful yes. when we read it. So I read it out to Bella. We were like both doing a bit of research. So it says, there is a sickeningly pervasive idea in our culture, by the way, that a young woman can only become interesting and complex by experiencing untold quantities of pain. And so we seek the suffering in an attempt to become artistic but only end up learning that we were operating from a flawed premise in the first place. Pain is nothing but pain. That is a lot to deal with. And we're not going to unpack that personally. Yes. Because, like, you know, might have a little cheeky sob. But when you think about Swift, yeah, you think about 
Like, she, all she talks about is, like, even in, like, her empowered yeah. stuff, like, shake it off, she's still talking about the fact that she got broken up with. Yeah. She's still talking about the fact that she's being, like, oh, you've got a new girl. Yeah. I'm hurt. My favorite's hurt. And then you think about, like, all too well, where it's, like, I was in a relationship with a 30-year-old man that sucked. And it was really messed up. Yeah. Or you think about, um... I don't know about you guys, but What's like... What's the one that she won the music video award for? We were literally listening to it yesterday. It's about the guy that she lives next door to and she like holds up the poster. Oh, it's um, You Belong With Me. Exactly. Yeah. So even like, it's, it is it isn't just being broken up with that she talks about. She talks about longing. Yeah. She talks about othering. She talks about like being in a long distance relationship. It's all about pain. Yeah. It's all about pain, usually romantic suffering. pain, but pain and suffering. And the idea that we as a young female fan base latched onto that and, assumed that and also got fed that and decided that we in turn needed to do that like how many people were like like taylor's version of red is coming out i need to get into a really toxic relationship and break up with them before it comes <laughs> out so that i can cry to the music effectively like i was really like wow no. i hate that i'm in a long-term relationship at this point <laughs> because otherwise i could have had a good song or like, how many tiktoks have you guys seen being like my boyfriend opening the bathroom door to me, pretending that we just broke up after like so and so crying in the bathtub. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that is something that is pervasive in all of popular music and all of popular culture generally. Yeah, I think that is something that we are fed. Yeah, as young women or just like young people with a feminine aligned experience. Yeah. So it's just if you are feminine and you present feminine. Or a fan of Taylor who, like, fit into it. It is decided from a very young age and then forced upon you Mm. that you need to experience some sort of pain to have a good story to tell. And, like, you think even about, like, Taylor's also criticized for being too happy. Yeah. That's, like, even when she was, like, I am happy. Like, you know, like, that one, like, she was on a red carpet and they were, like, you look lovely tonight. Look at those legs. Like, you're going to be taking home awards and men. And then she looked the reporter straight in the eye and she was like, I'm not taking home any men tonight. Yeah. And the fact that we should have been praising that and instead the media was like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's like, like oh, media- she's coming back at us for being shits to yeah. her. Yeah, no, that was, yeah. Anyway. And then, anyway, talk yeah. about pain. Another thing that the article says is young women dating older men. Specifically. Specifically. It's what the article is about. It's a form of self-validation and how these standards are really unfair. And then this 10-minute Taylor Swift song, All Too Well, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Let's get into that. Let's unpack that. Look, so, over social media. Yeah, okay. Give me the rundown because, I like, to be fair, I did not know what was going on. I did play it for you. Yes. But to be fair, you loved it. I really did. Yeah. But I had I had no idea what was going on. And yeah. I feel like I'm very present on social media. So surely there are some people listening that are like, what? Yeah. Who is, I'm not very present on social media. Who is Jake How do you spell that so I can Google it? <laughs> That's such a good <laughs> question. But anyway, what happened? Give okay. me a rundown. So if you haven't seen the All Too Well music video, highly recommend going to see it. Because I think it contextualizes it really well through its actors. Mm-hmm. So basically, Taylor Swift dated Jake Gyllenhaal, they've got like a 10 year age gap and she was, she was 19 and he was 90 or 20 and he was 30. Mm-hmm. And if you have had any life experience ever, you understand that those ages and the experiences that you were going through at those ages are so different. Mm-hmm. Like I understand maybe 10 year age gaps when you're like 40 and 50, yeah. but or 30 and 40 she even. Was 19. She was 19. 
and she was new to the music industry. She was, she was new to the industry. Valuable. Yeah. She was still very much And he was already present. He was already very famous. Yeah. And they dated for like three months. Yeah. But so, and then like, pff, we can go on a tangent about yeah. the fact that young, like young women dating older men. No, it's actually older men. Dating young. young women. That line in All Too Well where she's like, the joke is that I'll get older, but all your lovers stay the, the same, same age. Yeah. That's so true because guess who Jake Dillenhall is dating? He's dating a French model who is 25 and he is 40, 41. Is she 25? She's like 23. I generally don't even think she's that old. She's in a relationship. She? He. Jake Dillenhall's Dylan. Isn't he married? I can't speak. I don't think he is. He's got a girlfriend. Oh, but I thought I thought they might have been fiancés. Oh, maybe. Yes. G- oh, my gosh. They're being. Okay. Bella and I are doing some cheeky research, guys. We are. Sorry. Um, I'm also. Yeah. My computer's much nicer. I'm just getting up. <laughs> I'm just getting up our little script document on, <laughs> on my phone before my computer dies. She okay. is a prison model. She is 25. And she's an Aquarius. Let's unpack that. I'm kidding. Oh, Sorry. What? I said so, that as a joke. Okay, yeah, no. Um, But also, then you think about, it's not just Jake Dillenhall. We can shit on Jake Dillenhall because that was a shitty thing to do. Yeah. But also, we have to shit on Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh my goodness, guys. Look at, like, the graphs. We have to shit on... Google the graphs of, like, oh, the how so old they get versus how young their girlfriends get because I find oh, it so funny. Even that graph overall, like, this isn't just a thing in popular culture. This is a thing generally that generally. men, young men and old... Young men are fed something... And then as they grow old, it is decided that they think it is okay to keep dating yeah. younger women. It's almost like fetishized for them. And I think that's like, yes, we no, it you, but yeah, it's, it's like, a, like, cause it's put really well in the article that men <laughs> we want we the innocent girl who has no experience mm-hmm. and loves everything they say and is young. And so doesn't understand the world. I think you should read Love and Other Demons by Gabriel oh. Garcia Marquez. Oh. It was one of my ex-boyfriend's favorite books. Um, I've told you about this. Yes, you have. It's such a red flag. Love and Other Demons, basically, for those who haven't read it, Gabriel Zimekas, by the way, is a Nobel Prize winning author yeah. for literature. He wrote um, 100 Days of Solitude. Yeah. That's why he's famous. Um, Love and Other Demons is basically about this 100-year-old guy who's about to turn 100. He's like, what I need to do before I die is fuck a virgin. Mm. And he goes and finds a 12-year-old at a whorehouse and has sex with her. And the entire book is about his thought process. And when you think about it, you're like, huh, that's really fucked up. But yeah. then you think about the fact that that is something that is 50 years old. That book is 50 years old. Yeah. That came out in like the 70s. But that is still a fetish for... That is... That, like that... Like the, the Renaissance. Yeah. Henry VIII. Stop. Every single public figure ever. But it's, it's just... Also something that's standardized. Yes. Completely standardized. Yes. Like and, we, and just in a way that isn't the same for older women dating younger men. Yeah. Which it should be, by the way, because older women dating younger men still equally as bad. Yeah. Because, like, Emmanuel Macron, the French president, is dating his high school drama teacher, yeah. who is 20 years his senior. That should be fucked up. Yeah. Imagine if that, imagine if the roles were reversed in that situation. Yeah. Definitely. And also, we have to talk, sorry, we have to talk about it again in um, gay relationships. Yeah. Because I think that's really interesting, specifically in terms of, like, homosexual male relationships, yeah. where there is an older man, younger man. It's a power play. No matter how you frame it, like, because yes. of experiences in life, that is going to be a power play. And we are not against, like, st- staunchly against age gaps. Love no, is love. No. If you have a healthy relationship, oh, my goodness, congratulations. That is mm-hmm. genuinely fantastic. But when we look at Taylor and Jake Gyllenhaal, 
I think it really like really struck me because of the actors. So it was Sadie Singh and Dylan O'Brien. And I don't know if you watched Teen Wolf as a teenager, but Dylan O'Brien was like, yes, like I, I want to get with Dylan O'Brien Dylan like Brian's as a twelve. He's so hot. And I, and I was like, Sadie is in the age group that we are. Mm-hmm. So she was definitely watching Teen Wolf and being like, oh my goodness, Dylan's mm-hmm. so hot. And then she got to live out all of our fantasies. Bit jealous. Yeah. Sadie, gonna throw it out there. But, but also, this video was cast so well. So Props well. Props to Taylor. This was cast incredibly. Because yeah. you think about the fact that we look at um, Dylan O'Brien and we're like, oh my God, we know he's old. Yeah. He had a beard like Jake Gyllenhaal did. Sadie <laughs> he had Sink, a beard. Sadie Sink plays a child in Stranger Things. Yeah, she which plays really, like a 15 yeah. year old. And that, even though you're not conscious of it and you know that she's an actor and she's not actually that age, yeah. that is something that sits in the back of your mind when you look at her and you're like, oh my God, she plays, ch- she still plays children. And I think it should have been sitting in the back of our mind with yes. Taylor because she played a child. But it wasn't. No. And that's something that's so sickening. Yeah. And this article is that for every 10 minute Taylor Swift song, there's a Jake Gyllenhaal person. There's a yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal, a person that acted like Jake Gyllenhaal, that's confused by all the fuss of a decade-old fling. And mm. then it says something that's really interesting. The worst kinds of pain are rarely mutual. You think about what a formative experience dating yeah. a 30-year-old would have been for Taylor Swift at 19. Mm. And you think about what a three-month fling would with Taylor Swift would have been for Jake. I'm like, we're on first name basis. What can I say? Jake. Yeah, Mr. Jake. <laughs> So there's, and then the article has, there is a palpable cosmic injustice in the fact that a relationship, particularly one with an age gap, can change a woman's psyche while barely even inspiring the man to change his communication style. And this, this, and then it goes on to say, which I love and we brought up before, this experience isn't exclusively gendered this way, of course, but it's the result of a power imbalance that commonly plays out in older man, younger woman dynamics. But as we've said, it can play out in older man, younger man. It can play out in older woman, younger woman. It can play out so in older many. woman, younger man. It plays out all the time, but yeah. it is a power imbalance and it is usually intrinsically gendered. Yeah. Which is fucked up. Yeah. Frankly. Really messed that's, up. That's what we're concluding. And I think what the, the, the kind of conclusion with the Jake Gyllenhaal stuff. Yes, we hate Jake Gyllenhaal. And people have been saying, like, it's a 10-year-old thing. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, like, it's a ten, uh, something that happened 10 years ago. Why are we still invested mm-hmm. in it now? It's because it was not given what it deserved no. 10 years ago. No. And that is, like, oh, I just bumped the mic. Sorry. <laughs> that is coming back to cultural pessimism. Cultural Because we are being fed what the media wants us to see, and we can't help but shove it into our little gobs and chew it up and eat it. <laughs> And, you know, that's just really interesting. Yeah. That's where I was going with that sentence. <laughs> it's been really interesting. Yes. <laughs> no, it really, like, talking about Taylor Swift, and we are not shooting on her. No. I, we watched Re- Reputation, and we watched Miss Americana in the yeah. background last night while we were writing the notes for this and doing all the research for this. We yeah. have so much research for this, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> but it's just... She is such like the way that she was just dogged, and so other, so many other females, so many queer artists, so many artists of mm. color are just dogged by the media because yeah. they don't fit into this very specific identity, cultural identity that we need. Yeah, is just insane. Yeah, I think that like a lot can be said, and there are definitely controversial things that have happened throughout history, and whatever, whatever, whatever. And you can definitely have your own personal take on tales. But Bell said, I have throughout 
the past I'm still, 10 years. I think I'm on the fence about it, but... I think the important thing is to formulate your opinion of Taylor Swift and on these artists that we're told to hate by actually is by understanding that we are told to hate them. Yes. Like One Direction. We were told to hate One Direction or we were told to love One Direction. Depending on who you wanted to be. Like, because when... Another thing that we talked about in the class is that who we consume creates our identity. Yeah. And I think now us as older women older women older women i'm turning 20 next year i'm officially stop. old stop behave yourself but um it's too old it literally is but <laughs> when you think about it i've totally forgotten where i was going with that point um, i like form formative identities yes no but i think the really important thing about marketing taylor's versions yeah is that she's marketing all of these songs to the same fan base yeah. that would have grown up with the first version yeah. and now we're listening to it going Taylor's version she's a strong independent woman I am now a strong independent woman actually unpacking that do you think that we are receiving Taylor's version so well because we rejected them when we were younger yes. and no, now I we're having a chance to yes. reaffirm no, ourselves that's, that's the point I was making that's phenomenal yeah no that's I, thank you that's the point I was making congratulations and I think we should end it on this point I think we should as well. I think to summarize this very long and gibberish episode, I hope I you followed the structure. I actually think we had points. Yeah, and I think every every episode from now on will be like this because I really enjoyed making this so way more than not way more than the other episodes. Yeah. And I think we will do more serious, well researched episodes. Yeah, because they are really fun. And I think if you guys have an issue or just a topic that you would like, I would like some really down to earth facts yeah i would like to know the nitty-gritty details i would like a news report on yeah. it i and don't have the time to research this yeah, myself yeah. thoroughly obviously like you want a well-rounded perspective we are here to get that to you yeah we are here to do that research for you maybe once a month <laughs> <laughs> like we just don't want to do it every week yeah no next year hopefully we'll be back to regular streaming time now that covid oh omicron i guess the That's variant fun. let's not talk about it We're literally not fun. But um, yeah. we hopefully will be back to regular streaming once next year, once a week. We'll be trying to do once a week or once a fortnight. So let us know what you want for, yeah. for the next kind of summer holiday period. But we promise you, February, once a week. Yeah. Once February, you... once a week. And in that time, if you've got any like really interesting things, if you've got a book that you want us, oh, we've got some really excellent books that we want to do book reviews of. People. People that we want music. to do. If you've got some things that you want us to research. We will do that for you. Yeah. But I think we will also intersperse these kind of fun episodes. We genuinely those. enjoy writing. We are talking about this in our last episode with the um, abortion saga part mm-hmm. one and two. We voluntarily wrote like 4,000 words. Like 4,000 word essays for funsies. Yeah. And that was so, so much fun. That really was such a nerd moment. That really was a nerd but, moment. yeah. If you do, shoot us on our... Shoot us on our Google form. Shoot us a message on our Google form, or send us a message on. Okay, wait. Final statements for the show. If we have to summarize it, Bella. If you have to summarize it in one sentence to take away from this episode, I think it should be: you can't ignore Taylor Swift's whiteness, but you also can't ignore the way that she was treated. Facts. Thank you. I love that. Yeah, that was very vague. No, I think that that brings. It yeah, because I think close. the way that she was treated understand the is intersectionality really in of it. 
cultural pessimism, but we also had to bring in wine as well. Yeah, nothing major. Bring in Always have an informed opinion. You're allowed to have an opinion as long as you, it's informed. As long as you can back it up. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want us to do that backing up for you, and then you can listen to it. Share us a message on the Google form. Yes. DM us on Instagram. Yeah. And nothing major or Roni. Or even just like come find us in real life. Like don't stalk us, but like if you do know us in real life, come have a chat. Yep. Sorry, I was reading the teacher's consent um, Instagram story yesterday, which was about stalkers. Yeah. Sorry, like when you brought up stalking, I was really like, whoa. Uh, sorry, I did not whoa. invite you to stalk us. But that, on that note, on stalking, that brings us to the end of the show. End of today's show. <laughs> Hopefully, we got really off topic, but this was a really fun episode. It Hopefully, you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it. We yeah. had a really fun little morning. I now have to go to work. So, you know. See ya. <laughs> Bye. But um, a reminder again that any research material for today's show will be uploaded on our Facebook page for your viewing pleasure. So you can do a deeper dive into the content of today's show. We'll try to upload because it's mainly scholarly articles for this week. We'll try to find accessible versions. We will find accessible versions so that you guys don't have to be stuck behind a paywall or an institution wall. Yes. yes. Um. And just. It's because all of our research is provided by the ANU yeah. and by our course community. So sometimes they are stuck behind paywalls that we have access to. And honestly, the time that we did mess it up, we, I just, we just really didn't realize. We didn't. And yeah. that is our fault. Yeah. We will do better. Um, but otherwise, please keep listening to Nothing Major. Please reach out to us on Nothing Major Roni Instagram, Nothing Major Roni Facebook, Radio Nothing Major at gmail.com, email on YouTube, Nothing Major Roni. Otherwise, get in touch. Get in touch. Get in touch. Send us a like. Have a wonderful Have Christmas a one- New Year. It is such a lovely day today. It is. Like, hopefully this comes out today, Friday, 3rd of December. Hopefully La Nina is such a sunny, lovely day. Too bad it is not. Knock on wood that it doesn't thunderstorm tonight. Like it did yesterday. It really did. But just, yeah, have a wonderful day. Stay sexy. <laughs> Sorry, I remember that that was our outro. Could you do the actual outro? Okay. Well, I'll start okay. to cut this out. Alrighty. Stay. No, okay, go from but now. Okay, but for now, that's all you'll hear from us today. <laughs> I've been Bella House Bradley. And I've been Kate Armstrong. And as always, this is a public service announcement. We'd like to remind you to stay safe, stay sexy, stay educated. And honestly, if that's the last you're going to hear from us, it's nothing major. You've been listening to Nothing Major on Waroni Radio. See you next time. <laughs>